now this is recording. RTI International Center for Forensic Science presents Just Science. Welcome to Just Science, the podcast for forensic science professionals. I'm John Morgan, your host, the Senior Director of the Center for Forensic Science at RTI International and the Project Director for the Forensic Technology Center of Excellence. I'm recording today on April 11, 2018. This is a Just So You Know about Eric Buell, who was the head of the Vermont Crime Laboratory for a very long time, as well as one of the pioneers in the development of DNA as a forensic discipline and a forensic technique. We're talking to uh, people who worked with Eric and who were part of that uh, revolution, because obviously it was not only in forensic science, but in policing. We have with us Lucy Davis, who knew Eric for many, many years. Lucy has a diplomat certification from the American Board of Criminalistics as a certified medical technologist with the American Society of Clinical Pathologists, has participated in over 100 forensic laboratory inspections under the FBI quality assurance standards, and as ISO lead assessor, has trained and gone all over the country, all over the world. In fact, Lucy, you're in Algeria right now, aren't you? Yes, I am. I've been working with a lab here with their forensic section. So. We have with us now also Dan Bergman, who is a forensic consultant with Bergman Consulting in Minnesota. Dan was uh, a... Uh, uh, forensic scientist with the State of Minnesota Crime Laboratory for a long time, starting in 1972, and still does work as a forensic consultant, working an expert with his testimony, assessing federal grants, uh, doing process mapping, uh, uh, advice for crime laboratories, assessing, uh, doing ISO compliance, and much, much more. Dan, thank you for coming on the program, and welcome. Well, thank you for having me here. So, Lucy, uh, one of the things that people don't understand to some extent sometimes is the fact that DNA did not spring up fully formed as a forensic discipline from the scientific community from the earth. It actually had to be built. So back in the late 1980s, the FBI decided they want to start to train against RFLP, and there were a handful of people in that original training class. You were in that training class, and Eric Buell was in that training class. Tell me, what did you all think about DNA and what impression did Eric make on you at that time with respect to, you know, what you thought the future would hold for forensic science and DNA? It was a fascinating time and all of us coming together had no idea what we were doing. And so that was the wonderful part of the process in the beginning because across the country, Scientists that were doing forensic DNA testing or starting to get it validated and put it online decided that we're going to come together and work together on this process. And that's what ended up starting what was known then as the Technical Working Group on DNA Analysis Methods, or TWIGDAM, which over the years changed to what everybody knows is called the Scientific Working Group on DNA Analysis Methods, or TWIGDAM. So back in the beginning, we came together about four times a year, 
And when we came together, we just brought the science that we were doing. We brought experiments that we were doing. We brought autorads. And we sat at the FBI and talked about what we were doing and how to fix it and how to get it to work and how to make sure that there were guidelines that laboratories could use to follow in our footsteps and get them up and started. Dan, don't mean to date you too much, but you were in forensic science before DNA came along, so back in the ABO typing days. And I understand that you and Eric actually were in the first DNA class at Quantico back in the, in the 1980s. Tell me about that experience. The Minnesota State Crime Laboratory had some connections with the uh, people here in Minnesota that were working with isoenzyme analysis and getting into the pre-DNA stages at the uh, Memorial Blood Institute of Minneapolis. And at that time, we were looking at some DNA work, and it came to the opportunity of becoming a a visiting scientist program at the uh, FBI laboratory, their research facility in Quantico, Virginia. And I wasn't one of the first people there, but I was like the third or fourth group of people that went down to uh, Quantico. And my stint was from just after Thanksgiving in 88. So it was the end of 88 in January, February, and maybe a little bit of March in 89. And that's when uh, four of us were visiting scientists, of which one was Eric Buell. And the other one was Robert Thompson. He was at that time, he was with the Oregon State Police, and then Linda Jankowski was with the New Jersey State Police, and myself. And that's when I first met Eric, and we first began to work with the DNA people at Quantico, including uh, Bruce Badoli. Folks who listen to Just Science on a regular basis will recognize many of those names, because we've had both Bruce and Robert on the program, and of course we're talking with you and about Eric now. It was kind of unusual among that group. Most of you were coming out of forensic science, a fairly pure forensic science background. He had done forensic science, but he was also a research scientist. So he was a little bit of a different different animal among the group of you, wasn't he? Yes, he was. And the majority of us that were there had been long-time bench scientists doing uh, biological analyses. And you said in the ABO and RH typing days and just starting into the DNA field, and uh, Eric was one of the few people that I knew that was a visiting scientist that had a, a PhD, and, uh, but you'd never know it because he was so, so laid back. To me, I, I guess he was the consummate Vermont person that I would think of. He was very earthy, very personable, very approachable, and that's the best thing I really liked about Eric uh, was that he was so approachable and so welcoming to other people, and he had a, a nice sense of humor, too. So it was it was a pleasure to uh, work on those projects with with Eric during that time. It was really a very interesting time, and Eric was very important coming to us and bringing into the process a very strong scientific background. Eric didn't come from the forensic side, but more so from the academic and the molecular biology side. So he brought a scientific knowledge to us and shared and brought a lot of innovations and changes to our process. But the interesting thing about Eric is that although he didn't come from the forensic background, he adopted it and 
loved the process and loved what he did and loved the fact that his work helped people and that what he was doing was something that was helping society. And the other thing that Eric loved about the process is teaching. He was one of the few PhDs that I knew that when you ask him a question, he explained it in a way that he didn't talk down to you. And this was a step a little bit different than when we present evidence in court, we say talk to the jury as if you know, they were in 10th grade. No, Eric didn't do that. He didn't talk down to you, but he could take a very complex scientific process and explain it to you so that you could understand it. And he would work with you until you understood it. So the quality of the person was he wanted to make sure that everybody understood and that you had as much knowledge as he did, although we could never have had that much knowledge. I just want to say that uh, uh, I, too, was taken aback by the suddenness of his uh, death. I, uh, as a lot of people I'd seen on uh, Facebook, of all places, uh, as to I didn't even know he was ill. I had not been to an academy meeting for a couple of years, but I, uh, I just know that uh, he was a... a Wonderful individual. Uh, I adored him tremendously because he was so easy to talk to, so down to earth, and he could give you his knowledge uh, back to you in a manner that was so understandable. And I, I see that in the DNA work that he uh, gave to the community by being in his laboratory, the director of his facility, the uh, Twig Dam, Swig Dam committees. Uh, and all that work that he had put into the DNA analysis and DNA field, uh, I'm, I'm sure he'll be remembered tremendously for that. What strikes me about Eric's career in particular, he was the director of the Vermont Laboratory for 13 years. The other thing that struck me, because I, when I was at NIJ, Eric was one of the most reliable researchers in DNA methods. He was uh, somebody who really not only cared about implementing the science, but then getting to the next level, trying to understand uh, how DNA uh, analysis could be better at all times. And, and he was very much on the cutting edge of research throughout his career. Yes, he was. And one of the things that we appreciated about Eric was in the beginning with RFLP, when we went to determine how much DNA that we had, in the old days, we used a chemical called aphidium bromide, which is really strong mutagen and not very good to have around, and you need to dispose of it via hazardous waste. And really, a lot of people didn't appreciate how bad of a chemical it was. Eric did. So Eric came in one day with DAPI. And DAPI is another DNA dye stain that you can use in replace of ethidium bromide. So he came in and started telling us, listen, guys, we need to get rid of the ethidium bromide. You use, need to use DAPI. And we all laughed at him. We called him the DAPI man. But <laughs> he brought to the science 
thing that actually was based on the safety of what we were doing and also environmentally. He continued to make contributions to the field and especially in quantitation. Once we started going to PCR-based processes, he ended up developing one of the first processes to do quantitation via PCR. So one of the things that's interesting, too, is just that how different DNA is today versus then. Even RFLP, in some respects, is a completely different technology than what is being done now. And so folks like yourself and, and Eric have seen an enormous change in terms of being willing, frankly, to look at completely new technologies like such as SNPs and FTRs. And that's been an important part of the last generation of work in DNA. Yes, it has. And uh, I retired somewhat earlier, and, and I kept in contact with the field by attending, you know, the American Academy meetings and my local Midwestern Association of Forensic Scientists meetings. And each time I was at the American Academy meetings and talked with uh, Eric at that time, he was still at the forefront of instituting new technologies in his laboratory. In fact, that was one of the things he wanted to get in part to his administration is that not only did he want to use uh, new technologies and implement them, he wanted to investigate them. He wanted to be at the forefront of research and then implementing them in his own laboratory. Yeah, so he did several uh, important projects for NIJ's research program, in particular in the area of DNA quantitation, which has been an important part of being able to do reliable uh, DNA analysis in recent years. Yes, he has. And uh, I, had, I had actually been in his laboratory uh, on two, at least two occasions, uh, it was such a pleasure to be in his laboratory and see the what he can accomplish with the small staff he had and the laboratory facility at that time before they built their new laboratory. Uh, it was just amazing what he what he could do with the amount of resources that he had. Yeah, that's an interesting point, Dan. I, I think that's really valuable. We sometimes take for granted because a lot of money has been put in by the federal government into uh, into DNA in particular, you know, a great deal can be done by a small lab with a commitment to quality and, and its SOPs and doing things right. He was that type of person. He was very, uh, you know, research-oriented, very detail-oriented. Lucy, did you have any uh, final thoughts that you wanted to share with us? A lot of people may not have known who Eric is, and like you said, some of the younger people may never have heard of him. And... For the past 12 years, he's been a laboratory director, but even though he was a laboratory director, he never forgot about DNA testing, and people may not realize before he's a director, he was an analyst, and that is where his heart really was, and that he, as a person, I do not think that anybody in the field was as kind and as nice and wanted to make sure that things were done right and that the process moves forward. Thank you for being with us, Lucy Davis and Dan Bergman, who uh, is helping us out to remember, just so you know, Eric Buell in memoriam on Just Science. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.